Okay, Will, what do you get when you cross a vampire with a snowman? Um, I don't know. What do you get when you cross a snowman with a vampire? Frostbite. Hello and welcome to the Very Dad Movies Podcast. It's the podcast that's like Turner Classic Movies for Dads. I'm Maggie Blaha. And I'm Will Young. And uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking with our dad guest star, John Beeler, about the late 80s cult classic film, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So welcome, John. Hi. So uh, I just wanted you to kind of give us a quick, short, one-sentence bio about yourself um, and maybe just tell us why Bill and, Ted's, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came to mind when we asked you to be a guest on the show. Well, sure. I uh, am a dad that lives in Atlanta, and I've had a dad, uh, and I run a record label, uh, and I love movies. And so when you ask me what movie to talk about, I, I actually don't know why, but Bill and Ted just sprung immediately to mind, mm-hmm. probably because it had some kind of dad meaning to me as a dad, but also having had a dad. Uh, it was this kind of coming-of-age movie that my dad took me to see when we just moved. So it has special significance, but I've probably seen it like 30 times. So 31 after yesterday. Okay, okay. And can you can you basically repeat the, recite the movie word for word? Uh, not like from, like there are maybe a couple of movies that I can do that for. Bill and Ted isn't one of them, but when you, you know, when you're watching the movie, you kind of are able to do that. And even last night, they were like, Dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You watched it with your daughters last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah I watched yeah. it last night. Yep. And uh, so they were, uh, you know, it was like, wait, wait, wait for everybody come in and watch this part, you know, because they'd kind of walk away to grab some popcorn or something. And I'd want them to be back for key moments. Got uh, it. Got it. Like Abraham Lincoln's speech, which is yeah. hugely important. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to, for people who haven't listened to the podcast before, and even for people who have, and also for your sake, John, we are going to go over how we analyze and rate the films at the end that we talk about with Dad Guest Stars. Um, Mm -hmm. We're kind of working with Dad Guest Stars to kind of develop a new form of film criticism. So Mm -hmm. it's basically um, just trying to figure out and get a sense of how dads view the films they love, the world, and themselves. So... Now I'm handing it over to Will because he's the okay. only one who understands our rating system. <laughs> <laughs> it's so we here at Very Dad Movies, in order to be as scientifically accurate as possible, have devised you know n- numerous measurements of dad movies. And uh, so, first of all, there is our Three Stooges scale, and it's basically a rating system. It's basically like a star system with. Three Stooges being the maximum, or arguably f- as many as four, depending upon the particular dad's feelings of uh, regarding Shemp as a canonical stooge. So there's that. There's. Uh, we also have an integer-based sliding scale, where you know, like zero is neither dadness nor non-dadness. It's like water for the acid and base scale. And then at one end of the spectrum, you again have the three stooges, which might be confusing, but in this instance, they are meant to represent this sort of uh, er-apotheosis of dadness. And then at the other end, at a value of negative dadness, (laughs) is negative absolute dadness is the way we were the Barbara Streisand movie. 
and we just try to place movies on that spectrum and describe you know where on that would we on that sliding scale would we place the particular movie and then we've also had some very insightful and critical uh, contributions to dad scholarship made by previous dad guest stars. Uh, our first dad guest star, Ian Campbell, devised something that's sort of like the inverse of dadness, where it's really about uh, a dystopian world and it's about discommuni- uh, discommunication and discord with a dad. And it's uh, uh, Ian Campbell described it as fatherhood instead of rather than dadness. Uh, and then Jack Walsh just had one about a dad movie being something that a dad can just find channel surfing and watch all day long. Um, and also sort of like a, a rueful sitcom that's how they get you sort of part of uh of dadness um but yes am i also defining dadness too i feel like i've been talking forever oh my god okay okay oh my god all right so uh let me see if i can do this dadness is a uh an innocent pun-based way of looking at the world uh, with rosy-tinted nostalgic glasses for the time that the dad grew up in, which may or may not have ever existed in the first place. Uh, and they use that, dads use that humor to coat the complexities of the world in a veneer of uh, manageable uh, humor. Yeah, All right. Good. All right. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is that clear? No. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Let's move on. That's perfect. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. We're uh, we'll 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 cover it again when we get to the end of the podcast where we actually have to rate the films. Um, but we just like to get that out there at the beginning of each episode uh, because it's a lot. Yeah. It's like it's like uh, you know it's like like playing a board game. We're gonna we're gonna demonstrate and you're like oh this is this is easy and then you can tell other people about how to rate a movie uh, using our dadness criteria. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the way the way everyone does. It's a very dad movies yes. board game. I like yes. it. We're wow. franchising. Yeah. You're thinking uh, ahead. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. We've actually never done this before, but I wanted to ask you if you could be the first dad to give us a high-level summary, plot summary of what happens in Bill and Ted. Oh, wow. I feel so honored. Well, (laughs) Bill and Ted begins in San Dimas, California, Mm -hmm. uh, and the year is, uh, I want to say 1989 or 88. 88. Mm -hmm. Yep. Somebody's watched the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, our main characters, our protagonists are two young men, Bill and Ted, and they both come from very different families, but they're both failing history class. Mm -hmm. And whether this is U.S. history or world history, we don't really know. (laughs) It seems a little of both. It's just just history. And there are big implications if they fail this class, uh, particularly for uh, Ted. I'm sorry, Bill. Uh, I always get them mixed. Ted, thank you. (coughs) I've watched the movie. No, they're they're the same person. But I should have pulled that up. So so Ted's dad is going to send him to military school in Alaska. And I actually wanted to Google, is there a military school yeah. in Alaska? That was something I Should wanted I to Should I do know. that right now? We sh- yeah. You and can keep talking. Yeah. And uh, we can fact check live. Live uh, fact checking. <laughs> so things seem pretty dire because Bill and Ted, as we can tell from the start, they're not particularly bright. And their aspirations are uh, to basically pair up with Eddie Van Halen and, and make a, a rock band. And things, the, the, you know, the, this core element, Bill and Ted, is going to be broken up. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we've seen kind of preemptive, there's a scene at the beginning that shows this future thing happening. And this uh, phone booth shows up out of nowhere at the Circle K. And um, this man steps out and tells him they're about to make history. And so Bill and Ted embark on what becomes an excellent adventure. They end up collecting historical figures is what they call them but these are people from the past and uh, they go to Greece and the Old West and these are very generic depictions but they and all these people seemingly willingly go with them for whatever reason (laughs) it's in the mind that they're being kidnapped Uh, and they get stuck at a mall their hijinks ensue they get put in jail and yet Bill and Ted manage 
through an understanding of time and temporal mechanics, uh, managed to save the day and, and barely squeeze out uh, in time an amazing history report uh, as a presentation to the whole school. As we know, all schools yes, show up to every yes, history yes, report. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, the universe is uh, set right. There's a lot about fate, and, and um, there's a reason why these two young men are so important to history or the future. Uh, but for the sake of our characters, they, they end up passing their history report with flying colors. Yeah, so um, that was great. Just wanted to tell you a little bit about what my, uh, yeah. my Google... So I, I was very intrigued by this link, this website that's called Help Your Teen Now. Oh, my God. And it's literally <laughs> a list of boot camps and military schools in what? Alaska, which I think is actually quite fitting. Wow. Because, because Ted's dad kind of wants to send him to military school yeah. for him to get his life together, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was... Um, so there are dads of quote-unquote Ted's that are every day and stumbling upon this Google site. link. Yeah, and yeah I should research what traffic to this site is like. Um, there's also a uh, 1-800 number you could call oh, for help now if you need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, I, it's not even just boot camps. It's also for the best therapeutic boarding schools. Wow. So, mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we just get into the interview then? Yeah. That was a really great summary. I think that definitely helped yes. um, any listeners who possibly haven't seen the film. Um, uh, so, first question we wanted to ask is, so I know you mentioned that your dad took you to see the movie when it first came out. Um, so what was that experience like, and how old were you when you first saw it? So I would have been uh, 13, and um, my, I grew up in a fairly sheltered, conservative home, so this would have been as, uh, you know, um, this particular movie would have been kind of like, to me anyway, a grown-up movie. Um, there are kind of a few, you know, it's, there are a few s sexual related jokes, you know, and, and they're all pretty banal jokes, but, but it's referred to in the movie. And this is a movie that my parents probably would not have let me see, certainly prior to the age of 13. Um, so going to see it with my dad and knowing that it was kind of like this, I mean, it's funny that I thought of it as an like a grown-up movie, because it's very not grown-up. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, the context was just that we had moved from Canada to Kentucky, and things were really hard for all of us, for our entire family, because it was this huge culture shock. It was this small town in, in Kentucky. And it was kind of a way to just blow off steam. I think steam that my dad had from a new job and steam that I had from not really fitting in at school, not understanding what people were saying, and... Um, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. It was kind of like, fuck it. You know, let's just go watch this movie. Yeah. Morals be damned. <laughs> uh, uh, so that, that was the context in which I saw it, yeah. Okay. And we went and saw it at a theater, and, and um, we both loved it. And I think since that time, we'd rent it on VHS, and my brother, who's three years younger than me, eventually he saw it, and he loves it. Um, so I don't know how many times we saw it, but it would kind of be like, you know, you, you mentioned the film that you watch when nothing else is on, the kind of channel surfing. Well, if we were at Blockbuster this, and we couldn't find anything, like, we'd pick up Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, do you think, so a lot of times on the podcast we talk about dads um, that are trying to, they can't, they don't exactly want to come out and express themselves to their kids or tell them what they're feeling, so they maybe do that through film. Uh, do you think that's something your dad was trying to do with this movie as well? Or well that's a very psychological question. Uh, very Sigmund Freud of you. <laughs> 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 that's one of the characters they abduct in the film. Um, oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, had everything been perfectly normal for our family, they you know, I think that at least my dad, and I'm sure I do this as well, but um, there's a little bit of kind of rebellion, particularly when it comes, I think, to sons, you know, w against the mom. You know, this plays out in a lot of ways, I think, in a lot of families, but it's kind of like, oh, we're going to get this crappy cheeseburger and eat it, or we're going to watch this, okay, yeah, yeah, fart, yeah. or I'm going to tell this fart joke. Yeah, don't tell mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that that's, you know, I don't remember the exact specifics, or if my mom was like kind of tisking, and um, I don't remember, but. My dad kind of had that sense of humor, too. Up, up in Canada, there's this 
comedy duo that came out of SCTV, which would later be like New Kids on the Block, called uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie. And these oh were yeah like... Yeah, Rick Moranis is... Uh, yeah, Rick Moranis. Yeah, we yep. just did an episode on Rick Moranis. Oh, wow, yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, so uh, my dad loved Bob and Doug McKenzie. And as soon as my mom walked in the room, he would change the uh. channel. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, you know, it's possible. I, I suppose I could ask him, but it's possible that it was just kind of this reassertion of self and I'm taking my son to see this and you know I uh, my dad also I, I kind of remember these key moments where my dad took me to see movies and the one prior to that the one that probably would have been a close second to seeing Bill and Ted was Tron okay um, that would be much earlier but um, yeah so this felt like I mean I remember thinking it, it kind of felt like Tron okay. like going to see Tron like I don't know, I guess like you were being trusted to appreciate this experience. Um, I don't know, and I guess like you're old enough to to go and, and get it or whatever. Yeah. yeah, almost like a, I mean, I don't, like a mini rite of passage or yeah, micro yeah, yeah. rite of passage. Not yeah. like, here's, let's, let me tell you about sex. Not that big <laughs> of rite of passage, but definitely some kind of like, you're now, I now have deemed you old enough to see a movie with, sex jokes yeah. <laughs> yes you've leveled up yeah yes. you've leveled up you're old enough and also things are stressful so let's just move things along yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Way. yeah what did you think of I guess very briefly not to get off topic but what did you think of Tron oh I mean I love Tron I mean I loved it when I saw it and Can I, I loved it since Tron is? oh yes I've so well do you want to um I I'm not a big Tron fan oh. I know someone is it Jeff Bridges gets yeah. into a computer? He does, yeah. So yeah, I think it's 1983 and 84, and it comes out of this weird phase that I've never really heard anyone talk about, but Disney is making all these kind of almost, almost horror. Yeah, like the, I mean, like as horror as you can get for Disney, but like there were a lot of these movies I loved as a kid. Something that Wicked This Way Comes, which is still mm. a terrifying movie for kids to watch. Um, the Black Hole is this fairly standard 20,000 leagues under the sea and then there's like a 20 minute like psychedelic scene when they go through the black and it's just like how did this even get past the Disney firewalls and Tron was just another one that was revolutionary not for plot necessarily but for computer graphics it was arguably the first real use of CGI um, on like a like a throughout movie basis so this guy gets sucked into a computer and there's the programs exist as entities, and the main one is Tron, and, and his, he fights for the users. And he there's this MCP, this master c- control program that's trying to take over the system, and so Tron is fighting back. And it's kind of this tirade against corporatism, which is kind of funny because it's Disney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the plot of Tron is basically there are these little programs that run, and they're actually people, so to speak, and they're. You know, so when you type in a program, it's actually a person in a little computer system. Yeah. Did so. they did they just remake this movie a little while ago or something similar? Yeah. To that? Okay. And they did a sequel a couple of years ago. It was Daft Punk did the soundtrack. I thought it was right. a beautiful film and um, pretty well done. But I don't think it made as much money as they wanted. And and my kids loved that movie too. We watched it and huh. they really enjoyed it too. So that would have made it a good. We can follow up with that okay. in the next season if you yes. want. We can do yeah. a Tron. Yeah. yeah. Revisit. Um, so did you think about at 13 or even younger, uh, the future a lot as a kid? And so when you went to see Bill and Ted for the first time, did you have ideas of what you thought the future might be like? Cause like, right in the f- movie, the future has a very, yeah. obviously a look that like someone in 1988 would possibly think the future would right. look like. And you kind of see that a lot that, right. Everyone thought the millennium would come and there'd be flying cars and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah, just curious if. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I think all, or at least a lot of kids like to dream about the future and think about the future. And of course, um, that may not be true anymore. I don't know. Uh, I guess I just mean, I think now our imagination is captured by superheroes and that's not always Mm -hmm. dealing with the future. So our our imagination kind of moves to existing in the present with special abilities. Um, but back then, for that particular time period, we're talking about Star Wars still being around and having a yeah. huge yeah. influence, which is in the past, I know, but is very much the future. Or and Star Trek. and Right. Or do you think technology is just at a place right now where, like, we don't – it's it's kind of scary to even think about the future? Like, what could be it, – it's kind of scary to think that there'd be technology more advanced than what we have or that it already just kind of 
we just feel like we're perpetually in the future maybe yeah well blade runner would have been made around then as well mm-hmm. so this dystopian and that's from another podcast i know but this i don't know i guess you could argue we've kind of stopped thinking about the future mm-hmm. or at least imagining it in the kind of culture that results in movies so but i think at that particular time period yeah, we thought, I mean, I think as a kid, I would stay up late at sleepovers and we would discuss time travel. Oh, you know? interesting. Yeah. All right. Or like what the future would look like. or So this was like a, this was a common, it, it wasn't foreign to walk into Bill and Ted and, and be like, whoa, 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 people can travel in yeah, time, yeah. you know? Okay. So. Do a phone booth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know what year Back to the Future came out. Um, it was somewhere around the time Bill and Ted didn't. Wasn't it? Yeah, I, I feel like was it nine? Yeah, so Back to the Future was nineteen eighty five. This is eighty eight. Yeah, or eighty nine, I guess, when it came out. Well, um, I, I know one topic I kind of topic I kind of wanted to bring up was that I really like the way Bill and Ted deal with time travel. I feel movies like Back to the Future and other time travel movies I've seen they really focus on the dangers and the consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, right, Marty can't be seen because he'll start to disappear, and all of his family will start to disappear. Right. Um. And that there will be like immediate effects on his present day life. Um, Bill and Ted, there's just yeah, they can just go collect all these people. <laughs> yeah, there's no ramifications. And then send them back when they want. I just well, I think there's like this. Uh, what would you call the opposite of fatalism? Destiny or fate? I guess fatism. This mm. this if you endowed optimism into fatalism, but something was bound to always have happened but it was always going to be good. Yeah. That's the kind of yeah. time travel that exists in Bill and Ted. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, there's no ramifications or consequences to taking Napoleon off the battlefield or Abraham Lincoln. Somehow it all works out. And I think that, you know, if you scratch the surface too much, you're going to end up, I mean, it's not the kind of movie that mm-hmm. renders dissection, but they were always meant to have been kidnapped for that time. So it always worked out anyway. And yeah. I think that kind of time travel is reinforced and some of the later scenes where they actually start to think with temporal mechanics, like they're in situations of danger and they're like, well, why don't we just come back and do this after we're done? And they're like, okay, let's do that. And then it happens, you know, and I kind of like to think like, how did they pull off all the special effects of the history report? And I kind of imagine there's all these different iterants of Bill and Ted manning lights and sound effects. (laughs) That's kind of in my imagination. The only way it could have worked out. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I I, like watching it this time. I sort of like thought of Rufus is performing that function in the Uh, plot, and it's kind of hinted that way at the very end when he cycles back around and he's like, "Oh, I save these princesses," and that's all. Uh, That's all it says. So I just sort of picture him because there's there's also like watching it again this first time. I'm like, "Well, I mean, they have George Carlin. He comes back, and then he's like." All right, so long. I'm like, that feels like really weird. Like yeah. I feel like normally I'm going to show you how to do this, or I'm going to right. uh, like, uh, like, uh, like it'll be I guess a Mr. Peabody and whatever from that cartoon or whatever. Back but he's Bunkle. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's uh, but instead he's like, all right, I'm out. And uh, I just picture him like zipping around and like fixing things, or maybe uh, going with the Men in Black huh. sort of thing. Yeah, and maybe doing that. And um, but yeah, and then also. I also like that because we're obviously we're going to talk about Rufus as a father figure in a bit, but also I feel like that's sort of like I feel like that sort of really reinforces his role as a father. Like he's Mm. someone who's letting his kids, Bill and Ted, do this on their own, but he's also in the background, maybe like running around and not really necessarily helicopter parenting, I guess, but sort of like I don't know, just sort of making sure or like maybe kind of cleaning up a little bit um but not being but not being there with them yeah he does a good job as i mean as a dad which i think you could argue that bill and ted's dads both respectively represent kind of two extremes of fathering which one is laissez-faire i'm gonna go sleep with your hot (laughs) former classmate (laughs) Um, and then the other extreme is just strict, like uh, you're going to military school and you call me sir. You know, these two extremes of kind of what we traditionally think of as the, the modes of fathering. Yeah. But Rufus kind of does a little of both, right? Um, he kind of gives them absolute freedom. Like, here you go. I just kind of showed you how it worked. 
by not telling you, but I showed you that this machine is, can do this, and here's what's possible, and now it's all up to you. So I did kind of all, kind of have a theory about that, though. Like I, um, maybe not so much Bill's dad. Bill's dad is very much hands off and just interested in his hot young wife. Um, but with Ted's dad, like I kind of get the sense that obviously he's afraid for his son's future because he doesn't know what his future is. Mm. Rufus has all of this knowledge, uh, yeah. knows oh, that they that they will get better. So it's very yeah. easy for him to be uh, like yeah. a dad figure and seem like the perfect dad as opposed to like the father figures that they don't have in their life, so to speak. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to sit down with Ted's dad and would he still be happy if he knew his son was going to create a rock band and as Rufus says, like set the planets yeah. in alignment. Would he still be yeah. comfortable with that? I also wonder if he was even proud of the history report. I didn't. Okay, yeah, we don't see his. I actually was watching for that this time, and there's kind of like they kind of like it's kind of a not bad look that the two dads yeah, kind of give yeah. each other. But we don't ever get. They're never. We don't see him again. They just kind of disappear, and we assume everything worked out because um, Ted's not a military school. But yeah. right, right. Um, um, yeah. Since we're on the subject of dad figures, what do we think of Mr. Ryan as a kind of dad figure in mm. this movie? I think he could, you could see him as a kind of villain, but also just some, because he's obviously threatening to flunk them, but also, yeah. also I kind of get the sense that he does want them to do well, and he's given yeah, them a chance. I agree, yeah. I mean, he I mean, he speaks to them, and like that's, I guess, the inciting incident or whatever right, of the right. story is... Uh, is Mr. Ryan saying you guys have to like really wow me or you're gonna fail? And yeah, I feel like maybe maybe not villain but antagonist. But that's yeah. probably a that's a better word. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that he he doesn't he seems to really care about mm -hmm. his students. Yeah. Um, you know, he is really happy with with the student that gives the the Antoinette presentation. You know, you, you can tell he's really excited and. I feel like he kind of stalls for them and you, yeah. throughout the presentation I know it's really more for kind of adding tension yeah, but yeah, yeah. but he is like kind of like tapping on the like he he's like damn it I just wish they'd showed up you know yeah like I warned you I put you last <laughs> right. this, like I did school wide I, did I give yeah I give you every break I could yeah 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 and I, I I think too that we can kind of assume that he's been doing this all semester where yeah been trying to work with them and I think he sees in them kind of that innate goodness that Rufus and ultimately the universe yeah. sees but he's, they're still going to fail so he has to still enforce these rules mm -hmm. so right. I feel like yeah he's definitely a father figure in the That's film. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know you said you'd mentioned in the survey that we gave you that your opinion hasn't really changed much watching it now than maybe when you first saw it or when you were younger um, but do you do you think that you viewed these characters in that in that way when you first saw the film or I don't think so I think it was just a fun film when I originally saw it I'm um, watching it yesterday was interesting just because um, and I know it's not cool to use daughters as a entry point to feminism or whatever but oh please do <laughs> well well I guess you know that further objectifies yeah. women <laughs> as a tool to make myself better right. uh, <laughs> What I do mean is just whenever you watch a movie, you do tend to see it through the eyes of the... When they haven't seen it and you have, you're kind of like... They become your proxy for seeing it yeah. again, right? So you begin to see it through different eyes, which is the fun of seeing a movie that you love with people that haven't. Um, so watching my girls watch it, I did. it did bother me. I mean, it's, it was made in a very particular time. It bothers me that a lot of the women in the film are primarily objects or you know they really don't have a ton of agency and Joan of Arc ends up you know all these other guys historical figures do cool things but Joan of Arc is kind of like doing aerobics you know and it's yeah kind of like this and they the also best. kind of slightly hit on her a little bit yeah like there's a scene where Billy the kids looking at her <laughs> kind of yeah. her. yeah so that bothers me people of color have like a very contained role yeah um mm -hmm. But we do see, you know, there is a person of color in charge in the future, so that's cool, I yeah. guess. Or like, um, or even the scene with Genghis Khan, I felt yeah. was like probably a little problematic. Yeah, yeah that um, was that was <laughs> awkward. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of awkward, and maybe like he could have been left off of the list of 
historical figures that they chose to include. Yeah, I kind of wondered after watching it yesterday, I was like, if, you know, I know they're doing a, a, a follow-up film, but what would this film look like if they'd made it today? It would actually, yeah. mm-hmm. what historical characters would they have pulled that's out? A good, and that's a good point. And also, like, when I know when they, I've seen this on television, and I know they bleep out where they say fag. Yeah, um, that was super that awkward for me uh, yeah. when my, when, I mean, again, I th- probably would have laughed at that, unfortunately, when I was 13. Um, I mean, the word was, I mean, the word's luckily out of fashion today, I think. So that's why it's yeah. like really jarring it's to hear it. It stung this time yeah. hearing it. And I kind of like, oh, man, almost wanted to like, there's a dad tool and stuff like that. You're like, all right, let's get some popcorn. And everybody gets <laughs> up and gets popcorn. And you kind of like fast forward uh, past that part right, and they right. never see it. <laughs> um I kind of wanted to do that, but I, I missed it. Like, I kind of forgot how quickly it happens. And Did you use it as a teaching moment? Well, that would have been a great idea, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's way easier to move on. Um, Just moving on. Got it, got it. But I will when I get home. We'll okay. talk about we'll, we'll we'll it the scene. And, um, so this like, kind of reminds me of um, one of my favorite Tina Fey anecdotes. She was on uh, Conan O'Brien, and she was talking about her daughter when her daughter was, like, I guess three or so how she was playing Psycho for her. And Conan O'Brien's like, you let your daughter, three-year-old daughter, watch Psycho? She's like, well, I used to fast forward through the murders. <laughs> but they're like, and if you do that, it's basically people checking in and out of hotels. <laughs> and like, yeah. she, but she came back, she's like, mommy, where'd that lady go? Like, meeting Janet Leigh. She's like, and so Tina Fey just uh, decided to be like all the dopey mom. Like, I don't know. Maybe she went to the store. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. she's like, mommy, where'd that lady go? Like, I don't know. Where do you think she went, sweetie? Like, think she's in the trunk of that car <laughs> and she's like oh my god oh no <laughs> yeah that would have been a great teaching moment uh i did not well there's a lot okay. of cadence too in the film that is very you know i think they're trying to capture the cadence of the late 80s but yeah. like dickweed who says dickweed anymore yeah, and, and um, there's a lot of that uh, but the egregarious one right. was, was that particular usage and uh, man, i i, I just kind of cringed and kind of yeah. I hope nobody noticed. <laughs> well, also so, that scene is kind of speaking So I apologize to, if that's what I did, but we'll... Yeah, I, I mean, it's, a work in progress. it's also a good scene, like, talking about male friendship or just how yeah. they both clearly love each other. They They're do, yeah. really good friends, but, like, they can't show it or admit their feeling. We, we talked about this, uh, what movie was it? Tag, like... The, yeah, the, there's yeah. this movie coming out called Tag, where it's all they're all just playing this game. All these guys throughout their life, they've oh. just been playing this game. Oh, tag. oh, that's right. I think I saw a trailer. And it's their for way it, yeah. to be together, and it's kind of well, why can't you just call each other yeah, or yeah. admit that you like each other? Yeah. Um, so th- that yeah. Mo- this moment in that film kind of felt like that. Yeah, it's weird to have that like pretext. It also reminds me of you know you and our friend Parker talking about your experiences in Asia and oh, yeah, yeah. male friendships. Our friend uh, Parker was teaching. English. Um, I think he was in. I think he was in China or maybe Vietnam. Yeah, he was. He was in another city in China. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, like their school mascot was the rainbow, and there were just two like middle school boys like holding hands and wearing this rainbow shirt. Like, yeah. And he's like, this would never in a million years. Happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was. I, I taught English in China as well, and there was. Uh, I had to do a thesis on. Um, I was doing a thesis on online dating in Shanghai, oh. and I uh, sent out a survey, and a lot of the girls said that they would really like a relationship with a guy similar to like the relationships that guys have with each other oh, so wow. getting at the huh. that guy friends have a really close intimacy that yeah. I don't think is right in western culture isn't the same yeah at all. yeah I mean and we out that we have to have a word like bromance or Bro- whatever right. 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 Like, like okay romance. friends like they're just friends thank you yeah so right you're just really good friends just admit it we yeah. uh went on like we kind of watched Bill and Ted early and then some we were going to go to a friend's house last night, but plans changed. So just kind of in classic Netflix style, we were like, well, what else will we watch? Well, let's watch Fellowship of the Ring, you know, was it, which is another movie they've oh, never yeah. seen before. And I was struck this time by how good the relationship is between Frodo and Sam. And they, they touch each other. They protect each other. It's a very deep masculine but male relationship, and it's very tender without ever apologizing for it. And... It'd be interesting to see that replicated with Bill and Ted, where they they do have this friendship where, even though they're in suits of armor and they hug, that's, you know, like that alone was like enough for them to kick in the instinct and call each other a name (laughs) (laughs) to alleviate the fact that they might be considered as such, so... 
anyway yeah i think that would have been definitely left out in a 2018 remake for yeah sure. yeah um of course so what um what did your daughters think of the film so they didn't love it and they didn't hate it okay. i think they thought some parts were silly uh my 12 year old we've been having lots of conversations about time travel lately um, we also watched Back to the Future for the first time a couple weeks ago, and then Back to the Future 2. So uh, time travel is kind of a big, you know, we've been, I don't know, it's a big theme at our house. <laughs> so she actually liked the time travel aspects. Mm -hmm. uh, my 10-year-old, who really likes kind of um, punny jokes, she would love the Three Stooges. Um, you know, there's a lot of those kind of jokes in here, yeah. and she loved that. Um, my eight-year-old wasn't there, so um, she might like it too. But, yeah, I think... You know, they probably thought it was like, my dad really likes this movie, so I guess I kind of like it, but I don't actually love it. Mm -hmm. That's how I would say their take is. Do you get a sense that some, like, the sexual stuff that you mentioned, like, goes over their head at this point? Or I, I'm guessing maybe your 12-year-old probably picks up on it. Yeah, I'm sure she does. Uh, you know, it's not super, I think the, the yeah, some of the, you know, I I have a feeling that there's kind of this tacit, unspoken relationship between kids and parents where you don't bring it up and they don't bring it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I remember yeah. for my part, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched Star Trek The Next Generation, but I remember watching, I think it was the second or third episode of that show, and it's super sexual. Like, basically everybody on the ship gets super drunk, and they all start sleeping with each other and wearing, like, really short dresses, and there's just people everywhere kissing and going into their little quarters and as a 11 or 10 or 11 year old watching that with my parents because it was live right you didn't like there was no pausing to go get right. popcorn the, like it was super awkward yeah I just remember like <laughs> don't look at my parents don't look at my parents like they're not looking at me like and I don't know that that's the case with Bill and Ted but there's kind of like this tacit I don't yeah. know if I were a better father we would talk about these things and and we do sometimes more generally but um, I mean it's, it's uncomfortable this has been very good yeah. for me I need to go home and have more teaching <laughs> I'm not a parent. I can't, like, give you parenting advice. These are just questions that are coming to mind, just whether or not you do these things. I, I mean, there's, like, uh, really, Back to the Future was we actually did talk about, and that is, in some ways, more, like, this kind of flirts with sexuality, like. Um, Marty and his mom? Yeah, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, it's, like, over and over, and it's, like, this super weird, you know, she's making moves on him and, and so we did talk about that so I guess I'm not a total failure as a dad but um, yeah I guess in terms of if we're going to compare time travel movies to each other um, I would feel like Bill and Ted at least keeps his distance and is mm -hmm. maybe a more I don't know it's less creepy I guess yeah well I actually saw this thing on uh, YouTube uh, this um, kind of just little sci-fi dragon Connie like sideshow that these two women do um they were talking to this astrophysicist specifically about time travel and like what movies get it right and he said uh, Bill and Ted does yeah. because like the way time travel would work you wouldn't you wouldn't go back in time change something and like immediately feel the effects in your present uh, like it's huh. still time still has to move forward in order for the effects to be felt and that's something that Bill and Ted kind of gets at um like, there are no immediate consequences, unlike Back to the Future, right. where he happens to run into his parents. And right. Yeah, there are these rules that are imposed mm. in the Back to the Future time travel, where it's like, don't do this and don't do this. And the only rule Bill and Ted have is keep winding your watch. And it's more, it's less a rule and more like just to stay on top of things, just right. make sure you, yeah. you're keeping track. But there's no, it's not like, hey, you're not going to land on a butterfly in 10, you know, 100,000 BC and kill a generation, you know. Right. I guess the implication would be they were always going to land on that butterfly and it yeah. never would have existed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so I know you mentioned that your favorite character is Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, who who accidentally ends up in 1988? They were yeah. actually trying to collect him. He just kind of falls through those circuits. And yeah. Uh, ends up back in a, a Ted's Ted's yard and his brother Deacon has to take care of him. Um, I guess I just wanted to get a sense of why you like Napoleon and what you think his scenes bring to the film. He was a dick! Well, I think we see this subtle character arc 
on Napoleon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Where at the beginning yeah. he's a total asshole, and we yeah. we have this we don't have get a lot of scenes with Napoleon, but at the beginning the o- the first scene where he's being watched by. I think it's uh, Ted's brother, and Bill's these brother. These creepy twin girls. Who yeah, where do they come is from? One, his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. the other I feel like there was some scenes along. cut. I don't know, <laughs> but um, is the ice cream, and he's like, he kind of does this kind of fencing move to like stop her from getting uh-huh. the last of the ice cream, and he's like, and then we sh- we we see him like licking off the table, which shows he's not just aggressive, but he has no morals. You know, he's willing to like take all the ice cream no matter what. But by the time his journey in San Dimas is almost complete, which is to say w- when he's kind of wandered off and has been at Waterloo, <laughs> 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 uh, yes. he's helping kids down the slide. Like we see this kind of montage of him being scared at first and you know if you really want to uh film theorize that he goes you know through the the womb of the water tube <laughs> and comes out the other side a changed man oh, okay. and kind of embraces the ecstasy of water slides and at the end of it he's like helping kids up the stairs and he's like teaching kids how to go down and they're discussing strategy and um you know, we can assume that his time in San Dimas has made him a better individual. So I, I just have a, s- an, a sympathy for characters who are kind of assholes and then kind of quietly de-assholeify. Okay. So okay. No, yeah, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't. And also, you can't way. say Bill and Ted like to pick Bill or Ted over one or the other as a favorite character is just not right. Yeah. So. yeah. They're basically one character. Yeah. Or I think they are. The same yeah. Character. Yeah. 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 Um, which, you know, there's a popular uh, mechanism in recording. You know, my boss, Sufian Stevens, employs this as well as to double your vocals, and it increases the amplitude. Mm-hmm. You can channel it out so that it sounds more full. And I think that's kind of what's happened, what uh, the writers did with Bill and Ted, was like, they're really kind of the same person. Mm-hmm. They're doing the report together. They're doing yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they spend a lot of time together. In fact, we don't see a lot of scenes. There's only a couple scenes where one is without the other. They're almost always together. And I think it's just because it's that kind of double, it's that channeling. It's like, it's an amplitude. It's a way to create. I mean, probably for the sake of the film, you kind of need these two to talk. You need somebody to talk yeah. to themselves. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what Bill and they're, they're, they're very known. You know, it's like, I love the scene where he's like the ultimate. What does he say? The ultimate pursuit of knowledge is knowing that you know nothing. And he's like, "That's us, Ted." Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was was that right before they were going to talk to Socrates? Yeah, they're like s- they're like strategizing on how they're gonna capture Socrates. Socrates, Socrates uh, Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably my favorite scene in the movie. When they're all just getting out of the phone booth and they're introducing them to Missy. And yeah. And like <laughs> She's like, "Okay, whatever." Oh yeah. Nice to, nice to meet you. Good to your chores There's now. drinks in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Dust. When. Dude. Um, yeah, I, so I, I read this. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting because this Guardian article randomly mentions Bill and Ted's excellent adventure huh. in relationship. To, it was like a book review of a biography of Socrates. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, and the quote for it was kind of just how this particular woman's biography um, gets at the fact that even the miracle of time travel in Bill and Ted, um, it appears, cannot serve to alter what is, for any historian, a most awkward fact that it's impossible to be certain of what Socrates actually said. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's funny. Um, And it's true because, right, he's he's basically doing interpretive moves in sign language all throughout, and then... Even even like for their report, do I, I guess we're supposed to assume that Ted isn't actually accurately um, interpreting what Socrates you don't think is he saying. is. No, I mean I think at some parts he is, oh. but maybe he's not. Maybe oh. he's not. Like maybe we don't know what Socrates is actually saying. Yeah, uh, I heard I listened to one podcast that talked about this. They kind of went back and all watched this for the first time, and they were very kind to the movie. Oh. 
one of the complaints was just that this report must have gone on forever, which, <laughs> and they're like, how, ca- how could they have paid attention? So they're like, I would have paid attention. Like, I would have loved to have seen, you know, yeah. even if I thought it was like people acting it out. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is interesting that uh, they, I, I feel like this movie is a dumb movie that gets a lot of things right, you know? Okay, okay. And I think that it gets something right about time travel. It gets something right about philosophy. There's like a dudeness to it, like a Big Lebowski is maybe a much yeah. more graduate level look at kind of this self-existentialism, like I am, therefore I am, you know, this awareness that I know nothing. So Bill and Ted and the dude are kind of from the same cloth, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, th- I think that the movie actually gets a lot right. And I think that I th- it does surprise me, but then it doesn't surprise me that I they I get that right. I think it's actually very clever. I don't think the movie's dumb at all. Um, I think it doesn't take itself seriously, and that's kind of yeah. It doesn't go. It doesn't give you a huge explan- scientific expl- explanation about how time travel works. It just kind of gives you a vague description, and you're kind of just you go along with it. And yeah, you know, yeah. I, th- I think uh, I think a lot of the things that Bill and Ted say are funny. Um, I still laugh at the line where uh, I guess. Bill's asking Ted, like, what George Washington said in, like, the Hall of Presidents or something. He's like, welcome <laughs> to the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, not wrong, right? That right, is what he yeah, said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love this moment, just to add to that a little bit, um, when they're discussing, uh, the, you know, Rufus and Bill and Ted 2, you know, future Bill and Ted, they're mm-hmm. at the Circle K, and yeah. they're kind of having a discussion. And so we're, we're with, at the beginning anyway, our Bill and Ted. And they're kind of discussing, like, that was weird, and, and should we believe what these two guys just said? I mean, they look like us, and they guessed our number. <laughs> uh, and I think it's I think it's uh, Ted who's like, but dude, why would we lie to ourselves? And there's this kind of profound thing, like, yeah, yeah. I would love to get to a point where I'm, I'm able to say, why would I lie to myself, you know? But uh, as a human being, I don't think I've reached that level of enlightenment. <laughs> Uh, but somehow Bill and Ted have managed to reach the point where they can fully trust themselves. Yeah. Whether it's in the future or in the past, there's no distrust. Yeah. Or, or even like in the beginning when they're going back in circles about what will make them famous. Is it like getting Eddie Van Halen or do they need to have an awesome video <laughs> right. to get Eddie Van Halen to even like, I don't know. Yeah, that was super yeah. clever too. Is this like weird circular yeah. logic that they figured out, uh, which, you know, talking about it now, it, it kind of foreshadows the circular nature of time that happens like uh, I read something online like Rufus never introduces himself it's actually Bill and Ted who call him Rufus yeah so like we never we never really Rufus never says I'm Rufus it's like the the loop introduces Rufus and it may not even be his name we don't we don't know but it probably is because they get it right and it is you know Somehow time inserts these loops, and I think that circular logic at the beginning, well, we can't get Eddie Van Halen unless we have a great music video, but we can't get a music video unless we learn to, you know. Yeah. That's really interesting. I never thought of that before, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't have noticed that, oh, yeah, Rufus doesn't introduce himself. Yeah. So you could argue, I don't know if this is what they intended. It would be super clever if it was, just that the only way to solve our problem is this impossible-to-enter loop. And what actually solves their problem in terms of becoming the greatest rock band of all time is, in fact, a time loop. Like, it is this looping of events, this kind of circular, infinite, you know, thing that was always supposed to happen and always will happen, and it just needed to happen. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think, and I think you brought this up earlier, like, what kind of history class is this? (laughs) Right. Because... I don't know about you, but I don't think I ever had a history class where we spent a ton of time on Billy the Kid, (laughs) if ever. Or like, (laughs) yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I I feel it's like, of of the things you could brush over in history class, I feel Billy the Kid is fine. It's a fine topic to brush over. Yeah, what were the other topics that the other students covered? Like Marie Antoinette. Yeah, Marie Antoinette. Yeah. There was that idiot high school kid like computers <laughs> I don't like know what the purpose of his report yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and and somehow were they actually assigned all of the history <laughs> or was that just Bill and Ted not knowing like what they yeah, should be doing like yeah. I'm just curious yeah I feel like yeah I feel like when I originally 
saw it. I just had the idea, yeah, that they didn't fully understand the assignment, but that they just went so ridiculously overboard that he's like, well, all right, you get an A. And yeah, yeah. It's, 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 the, it's the, the power of just having a time machine just went to their heads, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I did notice last night that the chalkboard, Mr. Ryan, is that his name? Uh, it lists all the people. So, That's true. Yeah. So they must have remembered seeing that or taken – sketchy notes on that and been like, all right, well, if we're going to get anybody, let's get these people. Um, let's go get the Socratic method. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what it is, yeah, it's a super vast history. It's like, we're going to talk about Greek history and French history and uh, psychological history. And, yeah, you know, yeah, Sigmund Freud, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I do think something that's very much at the heart is like at the end when Sigmund Freud is analyzing Ted and he has this quote that Ted's father's own fear of failure has caused him to make his son the embodiment of all of his own deepest anxieties about himself. Yeah. That's always pretty deep. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And Ted kind of Keanu Reeves like, Whoa! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the first of many. <laughs> just, just blew his mind. The, yeah. the, the, you can kind of see that moment then later forming the inspiration for you know Neo's. Whoa! You know. Whoa. So yeah, that's a deep moment. Um, yeah, that kind of. Uh, the, do you remember how I, I can't remember even though I saw it last night, but it cu- does it, it cuts to his dad? Does it or I think wonder what his dad thought? But I mean, his dad is also just kind of freaked out at yeah. all of these characters just being, I, and I'm guess wondering, are they real? Like, what? Yeah. What is my, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I mean that's kind of what I was thinking about his dad, and, and, and again, like going back to Rufus, like, hey, Rufus actually knows how everything's going to turn out, but the dad just wants Ted to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love to at the end, Freud is like. Bill, would you like to take the couch? And Bill's like, yeah. oh, except for a slight Oedipal conflict, I'm fine. Yes, <laughs> and yes. it cuts to Missy, and she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know you also said that like one of your favorite scenes is when they go to the future. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about that one a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, I have a question for you two. What did oh, you sure. think? Like, we had, I had kind of set it up, uh, you know, when I sent the survey, and we talked about it. So I know that I kind of built that scene up but did you like watching it again last night i was like the scene still holds a lot of power for me but did it for you as people kind of watching it with kind of like objective eyes like does that mm-hmm. scene is it impacting or powerful or it gives me goosebumps you know watching it oh, um i liked watching it and i sort of i found like yeah the time loop thing and that everything is going to work out for the best like really reassuring and yeah i enjoyed watching it um, I don't think the first time I watched it, maybe I just kind of was just giving the movie a kind of first time viewing. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, no, I think um, the two other times I watched it, um, I, I thought it was a really great scene, especially for Bill and Ted, right. who um, kind of were, maybe didn't entirely realize that they were essentially um, idols or essentially gods in, right, in the future, right. but also got the sense that their words held a lot of power and meaning to them. Yeah, yeah isn't it interesting yeah. that up to, this, up to that point, uh, we get the impression that they think their words are frivolous, you know, maybe even a little meaningless. You know, it's not like they actually have any self-doubt, but they're kind of just jokesters, you know, and going into the future, they're kind of like, whoa, they're hanging on every word. You yeah. know, it's like, say something, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in a weird way, you know, the, these two kind of precepts that they espouse there, it, again, this kind of time loop, right? It's the foundations for their society, and, and the people in the future have heard these things, you know, we can presume, like, espoused in, in these two people's music through their career, but they're formulated by coming to the future and seeing this kind of fate or destiny, yeah. right? So the be excellent to one another and party yeah. on, dude, mm-hmm. these two precepts are actually formed because they go to the future um had they not been in the future they may never have come up with those so yeah the future scene i think is this moment where bill and ted they're it's weirdly powerful but like in terms of the staging and the setup uh there's not a lot happening it's kind of dark 
Um, I, I watching it yesterday, I tried to pay attention to like what makes this seem powerful. I think the music is a big part of it. Yeah, or um, even uh, I know <coughs> they always do this thing where they um, air guitar play, like after they yeah. say something, and then they were all kind of doing an air guitar. Yeah, yeah, movie. you get this kind of like smattering of all different kinds of people doing this kind of like solemn gesture. Yeah, you know, yeah. for them it has way. You know, they've been really frivolent with that usage. The you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but here, here in the future, it's become this like sacred moment, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it, it doesn't burden them. They never refer back to that moment in the future. It's not like, oh, we got to live up to that. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it's like this on, you know, the whole film, like the podcast that I listen to, they're like, why does anybody like this movie? And we're like, I don't know. Um, and so I kind of wanted to answer that question. So okay. I kind of did a little research. And someone on Reddit was like talking about why they love the movie. And they just were like, it's so optimistic and it just has so much heart. And I yeah. think that that scene kind of captures that uh, that kind of opposite dystopian, like the, the, the unwavering belief that everything's going to turn out okay. Yeah. And that's in the song. It's like everything is going to be all right. I think it's why Sam Remy is that how you pronounce uh, the creator of Mr. Robot. Uh, did you? So did you? I I think I mentioned that episode, but there's this episode in this last season of Mr. Robot where it's a it's a crux episode. It's like things are happening for the main character whose name is Elliot, but he's ready to phone it in and he's going to commit suicide. He's going to kill himself, and this kid kind of saves him by just making a simple gesture of offering him. I think a lollipop or something like that. Mm. And so they ca- the kid and him kind of hang out together for the day. And throughout the whole season, they've been dropping these little hints about Back to the Future, and specifically Back to the Future 2. Um, and so you kind of think, like, what does this have? Like, you're kind of, as an audience member, you're kind of watching, like, what is it? Why are they dropping all these hints to Back to the Future 2? And in the movie, they or in the f- episode, they go to see the movie. Elliot takes this kid to go see Back to the Future Two, and they're in the lot, and they're in the line, and they're all arguing, like in the line, everybody's seeing it again, and they're arguing, like, what is this movie about? And someone in front of Elliot answers, "It's about how one mistake can change the world." Mm. And so that's kind of in your head. And then at the end of the episode, when Elliot decides to live, he makes this promise to this kid that he's going to see the, the kids. Like, well, wh- will I see you again? Which is this kind of existential question. Mm. You know, to the kid, it's just like. Are we going to hang out again? But to Elliot, it's like, am I going to be alive tomorrow, you know, or next week? And he kind of thinks for a moment and says, yeah, yeah, you'll see me again. Hmm. And from there, Elliot goes to talk to his old childhood friend and kind of girlfriend, Angela. And watching this episode, you're already kind of on this high of like, oh, Elliot's going to live, you know, everything's going to be fine. But then... As he comes up the elevator and walks down the hall, you hear this music, and it's the song from Bill and oh Ted. Shit. It has no other reference point. The only hmm. time this song was used in the film was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Huh. And you hear th- it's the same. You hear the, gu- gu- the guitar, the guitar kind of echo in. You're like, I remember watching. I was like, I totally got goosebumps. Like, what is happening? Uh. Like, this is a time travel song. And they went and saw Back to the Future two. And it's about how a mistake can change the world. And I feel like the director was saying, as this song kind of underplays this key, very cinematic moment where Elliot is on one side of a door leaning up against the door, and Angela hasn't opened the door, but she's on another side, and kind of one is in red and one is in blue. Like, it's kind of a, if it were overused, it'd be too much, you know, but because he's been very tasteful with the cinematics, it's this very powerful moment. And the whole time, the song is playing in the background. Mm. So I feel like for Sam Remy or whoever chose this song, um, it had special significance for that person as well growing up and this kind of sense of optimism. And given that we're in this kind of back to the future to reality of like Biff, like we feel yeah. like we're living in the world that Biff made, this kind of one mistake ruins everything. I love that this one choice to stay alive for Elliot was almost like this bill. And it's like the director, the, the writers were saying, we choose this version of time travel with that song mm. we choose the okay. version of the future that's optimistic yeah and the planets are in, li- in alignment and we're in connection with alien races and our cat <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know as rufus says so for me that scene had a ton of meaning and seeing it kind of reaffirmed 
in use of this really great TV show kind of told me somebody else out there had the same impression of this powerful scene. So, so sorry, that was a lot. No, that was that was great. Thank you for. Um, I I was really interested to know what why the future scene was your favorite scene, and I think that's a really it's it's really kind of the heart of the film. It's them going into the future, and um, yeah. And I think, think like now, like in the world that in which we live, which I know things have been hard for different groups of people for a long mm-hmm. time, but it does feel a little bit like Biff's reality, like someone made a mistake somewhere, <laughs> like someone someone time traveled in and we're living in the, the version where there's industrial pipes blowing fire and there's gang. I mean, it's not quite like that. I'm being dramatic, but I think that Bill and Ted offers kind of a distinct different vision that I feel like I need at least in terms of being optimistic about the future yeah. and this idea that things are going to turn out okay. And um, so anyway, for me, Bill and Ted has even more significance now than maybe it, it did when I was 13. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, should we rate this movie? Um, yes. I just wanted to. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I just had two other quick things. Just one about the not explaining thing. Like, how a jewel coming from a ceiling becomes <laughs> uh, yes. becomes a, a telephone booth and why <laughs> why but I like I like that uh, yeah I like that they just like all right yeah fine why not and um it's like um in Stephen King's on writing he's like people writers hate 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 to explain uh, why or whatever and how yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah and uh and then also the like the whole sort of time travel thing and how it's a bunch of like circuits or whatever i sort right. of read it watching it today as like a metaphor for the internet oh huh but yeah a series of tubes huh. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i actually think that in terms of pacing it's a really precise movie like there's yeah. not a lot of slow parts in the movie like it it doesn't take a lot of time to sit and explain but it doesn't expect you to fa- like I don't have to understand temporal mechanics to yeah. really right, like right, the right. movie. You know, it doesn't, yeah. things happen quickly, but I, I never feel left behind either. So, but that is weird. I, I watched, when watching it yesterday, I kind of wondered about the beginning because you do have this weird sequence that's kind of like, I don't know, you're like, what kind of movie am I watching? Like, if you came to yeah. see a jokey yeah. movie, you'd be like, is this some kind of Blade Runner movie or something? Um, which I almost feel like somebody focus grouped it and then they added like Rufus with this black background like very directly saying, I needed to help these two boys who become wild. That's okay. yeah, 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 yeah. That's so I just kind of wondered, yeah. like I wish I would have been in the writer's room to kind of hear like, well, they didn't, we did, you know, did they go back and reshoot that with Rufus, with George Carlin or I don't know. I just kind of had questions about that as it, well. That's a, yeah, because that's a weird, that's an, inter- that's an unusual like thing to have in there. And yeah, I. It's almost like I'm I'm television's George Carlin. <laughs> um, <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they kind of like somebody up top was like, look, get George Carlin to the start. He doesn't show up soon enough. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kind of wondered if that's how that worked out. And uh, what was your other question, Will? I mean, I think. I think that was just the uh, the crystal becoming the phone booth and then the tubes. <laughs> but yeah. Oh yeah, the nature of the tubes. Yeah. I wonder how accurate that is, like if, um, I don't know, you know how they used all these advisors for Interstellar, you know, which deals with temporal mechanics a little bit. I wonder what those uh, film advisors would say about Bill and Ted. Mm. They'd be like, oh, no, that's actually kind of probably how it works. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's a different version of time travel where, like, the Back to the Future version is like, snap, you're just there. There's no passage, really. It's just kind of like... Just like a like a magic, um, but I think that time travel is often also depicted as this kind of well water tube <laughs> or like yeah. worm wormhole kind of thing. Um, like another movie that I watched, I didn't the girls didn't watch it with me, but Donnie Darko does kind oh of yeah. imply yeah, that yeah. there is this kind of like these tubes play a like s- these play a pretty specific role in time travel. So. Yeah. And there's another movie about time travel circuits or whatever because, uh, yeah, the plane crashed. And oh, Millennium. Like yeah, do you yeah, remember? Yeah. yeah, that was another 80s movie that would have come out around the same time. It's the same, like these kind of wormholes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think maybe in Bill and Ted they kind of serve – they're familiar navigating them because they're really good at water slides. 
so we can kind of assume that they have this innate ability to navigate time because they're they just go to to the water park every weekend so they also have a phone book (laughs) yeah i wanted to see that phone book like seeing it this time like they're flipping through i kind of paid more attention and like what the different yeah it was like almost like a you know the the mongols the number for the mongols look like a chinese (laughs) restaurant (laughs) (laughs) it's like i want i want to see what else history is how history is represented in a phone book you know all right so ready to rate movie okay i'm so nervous we'll we'll do it first to kind of give you an idea of what the hell we're talking about all right all right well you go first Yes, and you can exchange four resources uh, for any one if you need extra sheep or whatever. <laughs> All right. Um, <coughs> I thought you were being serious, and I was ready to trade sheep for wood. <laughs> um, All right, yeah, I'm rating this. Uh, so Stooges scale, I will give it. I would give it. I would give it three Stooges. Wow. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say it's a pretty dad, I would say it is a pretty dad movie. I feel like the humor and even though I'm not, I don't know, I don't know that I, I don't know how time travel as a subject is as a general dad movie topic, but (laughs) I feel like this one does it in a very dad way. Uh, I feel like it coats the topic of time travel in a manageable veneer, and that is what this is all about. Uh, and then on the sliding scale, um, I am I'm going to place it. I'm going to place it on the dadness side, and maybe about halfway to dadness. Um, and I guess that's it. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it three Stooges as well. Um, because because of the fact that it doesn't really go over time travel, and I think it's just really easy for dads to understand. It's easy for dads to just jump in and kind of watch it from anywhere. Um, And I think the humor is just something that would appeal to dads. Um, And I'm going to put it three quarters of the way toward the Stooges side of the integer scale. Yeah. So do I have to rate it now? Yes. Yes. So there's the Stooges scale. Yeah, so that's basically like a star rating. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would say, yeah, three Stooges for sure. Yeah, I think that in terms of dadness, it... Uh, it hits all the right, you know, it is useful as a dad movie because you can watch it and kind of phase in and out yeah, yeah. attention. And then, you know, even to relate it to the three Stooges, they kind of are who they are. And I feel like Bill and Ted are, are, owe a lot of humor to the legacy of the three Stooges. I don't know if that's part of the calculation, but, okay. um, uh, so what's the other rating system? Sliding integer-based scale, um, <laughs> but yes, with the Three Stooges again being like the apotheosis of dadness, and then the Barbara Streisand movie, The Way We Were, on the other end at negative uh. absolute dadness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just Three Stooges or Barbara Streisand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I go with Three Stooges. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, so that's the end of our episode. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Josh. Yes. Wow, what an really honor. Great. Like, I got to talk about so Bill and Ted for an hour and more and more, and I'm just so thankful. that <laughs> Would we all have uh, versions of the future that we step into and everything's, everything's all right? Yeah, let's all be excellent to each other. Yeah. And Aww. party on, party on dudes. dudes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you have questions about the podcast, a suggestion for a movie you'd like us to discuss, or are interested in being a dad guest star, you can send an email to hello at verydadmovies.com or hit us up on our Facebook page. You can also tweet us dad jokes at the Twitter handle at verydadmovies. And if you haven't signed up for our newsletter yet, you'll find a sign-up form on our Facebook page or Medium website, which we'll include a link to in the show notes. There are a few different places you can listen and subscribe to the podcast, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, If you use any of these platforms, we'd love it if you left us a good review. This episode was produced by yours truly. Our theme song is composed by Kim Fenner of Fenner Music, and our logo was designed by Aaron Scott Mercer. And how do we end this podcast, Will? Don't Don't touch that thermostat. Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. (laughs) 